Hello, friends, and welcome to the Print Design Podcast, the show where we talk all things print design. I'm your host, Dave Hopkins, and I am also the founder of Print Design Academy. That is the place where we teach graphic designers to become experts in print. We help you start your journey in print design, understanding what's involved, understanding the terms, the process, all of that stuff. So if you are interested in print design, head over to printdesignacademy.com and check it out. So today's episode is all about labels, high-end spirit labels with gorgeous foils, sculpted emboss, amazing tactile stocks. And my guest today is a pro at this stuff. One glance at his Instagram and you will see what I'm talking about. And you'll probably start drooling, honestly. It's just amazing, the work that he does. So today's guest is Chad Michael from Chad Michael Studio. During this episode, he gives us some serious insights in what is involved with creating a beautiful label like the stuff that he creates from all the multi-layer files to the cost, like what do these labels cost to produce, the proofing process, some mistakes that can be made along the way, everything. I'm not kidding. This episode is incredible. So sit back, relax, and let's get right to it. But first up, let's hit the intro. Welcome to the Print Design Podcast, the show where we talk about all things print and packaging. We go behind the scenes with designers and talk about the print projects they designed that really rocked their world. From file prep to holding the finished product in their hand and all the key decisions in between. So let's talk ink on paper. Good afternoon, Chad. Welcome to the Print Design Podcast. How are you, sir? Hey, I'm good, man. How are you doing, brother? It's doing great. It was great to connect with you back on the Quickie Podcast, and now we're back at it to dive into print. All right. I'm ready. Yeah, I love it. Your excitement about print. You got tons of print background to throw into this, and I love print, so I'm really excited about this one. All right, great. Yeah, it's my lifeblood, man. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, let's get some other stuff out of the way first. Tell us a little bit about yourself. All right. My name is Chad Michael. Uh, I run a design studio here in Dallas, Texas. Uh, Clients globally kind of service throughout the world here. Uh, I design primarily for kind of what I call now products of indulgence. So I've been designing for uh, mostly liquor, wine, spirits, beer uh, for the past six years. But recently over the past year, the cannabis market's flowing in. Uh, I've been doing a lot of playing cards, Uh, did some poker chips. So anything you, you can I don't know. That is pretty much entertainment forming in some way. I don't know. Uh, that's kind of where I'm at. Beautiful. I don't know why I've been drawn with that stuff, but I'm just there. That's where I'm at. So <laughs> it presented itself to you, and you took it. Yeah, yeah. Products of indulgence. I love that. I love that statement, Chad. Yeah, man. I, I, I it kind of formed itself over like five or six years, and so now that's it was product of uh, designer of vices, and I don't know that has kind of a negative ring to it. So I think products of indulgence works a little better. But yeah, yeah all so. print, all print based stuff. 
that's cool. And put a variety of different print-based stuff because it's not the same file setup for creating poker chips as it is for playing cards, as it is for you know, Flexo labels, is it? No, absolutely not. Uh, every every process is a bit different. Perfect. So you got a lot of that to, to pull from. Um, yeah. Chad, what's your earliest memory of printer packaging? Something from your teens, from your childhood maybe? Yeah, I mean, I, I can actually remarkably remember it uh it was in college so it was i had like most graphic designers didn't really know graphic design was like a thing but we had a package design course um, once i got into the graphic design program and that's our very first package design project was like uh they signed us random clients and the first one i got was men's grooming uh and so yeah and so we got the name we it was my first project where i you know i got to develop the branding and the name and the whole the backstory to it and then afterwards we uh were responsible for actually producing and manufacturing the physical good so we'd have to make a mock-up of the you know uh, of the pomade and the shampoos and the shaving creams and however we wanted. So it was a, a pretty kind of a crafty project and seeing it all come together. And like, after it was all done, it, it, it got some praise and it was like, it like put it in a gallery in like the, uh, the college, uh, I don't know, the downstairs lobby. And, um, it was just walking by it and see it in kind of like its own little pedestal. I was like, Oh, this is, this is very rewarding. You <laughs> this know? is it. This is me. Look at this. Yeah. Yeah. All that time and energy. It just like was in a three dimensional form. So it, it was pretty rewarding. And that's still what happens today. So as far as the reward of getting that physical product, you no, know, what did you actually call this company? It was called Ion. So the whole backstory behind it, I still remember it. I remember all the projects <laughs> awesome. I do, I think. I want to hear Yeah, that. it was because it was uh, infused with pheromones. So it was like a, uh, like a shaving cream and cologne that was infused with pheromones. So it was all about attraction and the law of attraction. So uh, all the package design and all the visual language was very much based on like electronic schematics and blueprints and uh, yeah, so Ion, that's where the name came from. And uh, it was fun. It was a fun first project, yeah. I love it. I hope you have some visuals left of that that you can send me. I have to dig it up every once in a while, like maybe once every two years, I see it pop up on Pinterest. Uh, so it's like still floating around somewhere because I had submitted it to the die line like 15 years ago or wow, something. Okay. And so it's it's still like floating around there. <laughs> That's awesome. scrolling through Pinterest and your like school project pops up. That's got to be fun. Yeah, it's it's weird. I'm like, I just look at it. I'm like, oh, it's complete shit now. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> when, when you look at look to the back and like, you know, you see all the work you've done previously, and you're like, ah, oh, it could be so much better. But you know, everything uh, is uh, you build on each other. You yeah. just get better with each project. You ever th- thought about like redesigning it just as a little project now? I have not. No, uh, that's not a bad idea, actually. That would be um, like just a really fun. I don't know, blog or vlog or whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah. you know, showing where you were then and redesigning it to sort of using what you know now. Yeah, man, that would be a, a ridiculous before and after, I think. That'd be fun. <laughs> That'd be super cool. If you do yeah. that, let me know for sure. Okay, I will. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what about recently then, Chad? Is there some sort of print or packaging that you've seen recently that you really enjoyed? Maybe something in the liquor store or something else you've come across? Oh, yeah. I mean, absolutely. You know, the whole my whole career is built daily on 
involving there's some print related aspect every day mm-hmm. uh so whether it's being prepping a file print or receiving a final project like in the studio um for something that i've done uh always getting print related projects in uh something that kind of stands out i think out of you know everything that's been happening on a day-to-day day-to-day basis is there was a uh i think what came in recently there was a spirit called high wild uh, which is an extension. It's called High, High Wild Amaretto. It's a liqueur that I developed for a Canadian client. Nice. And yeah, and it's it's a very surreal, crazy uh, kind of um, explosive imagination um, brand backstory. And it just it came in. Uh, I don't know, maybe a couple months ago. It's photographed it's on the website, but it's one of my most recent like. Um, heavy, heavy print related projects. Cause there's so many foils and embossings and embellishments in that one specific package design. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is that yeah. the one that you have for your, um, the project that you're going to break down a little bit? Yeah. Cool. Okay. I want to get to that one a little bit. Have you come across anything? Maybe it's something you've received in the mail. Maybe it's something, um, that you didn't design, uh, or work on that you, that you enjoyed or thought was really done really well. Oh man, I mean, my uh, I do research all the time, which just means me going to the liquor store and buying a bunch of liquor. <laughs> Sounds um, rough. Yeah, I know it's terrible. It's a complete write-off too for tax purposes, so Amazing. that's always great. Yeah, so uh, I think uh, something that stands out that I personally that I I have not done. Um, there is a uh, I guess there's a brand out that was released recently. Uh, that's called mermaid gin. So my world lives in, I live and breathe liquor. So most likely any of my references will be liquor related. Awesome. Um, mermaid gin. And that, that I love that design specifically, uh, because of the bottle alone. Um, it's a kind of a, just very minimal, very straightforward approach to the name. Uh, and it's just a bottle that's kind of, uh, riddled in scales, fish scales. So it's all embossed in the glass. Uh, that's something I've seen recently. Yeah, something I've seen recently that was like it was executed nicely. It was straight to the point, not overworked, and just is what it is. Um, that's something I saw recently that I, I really appreciated how the glass specifically turned out there. See, that's what's so cool about the the liquor and spirits or beverage industry. Really, you know, you can take a standard bottle, put a label on it. Or you can mm-hmm. even go like full, full distance and go full custom bottle. Oh, yeah, that's like the, that's the way they went. Oh, yeah, that's that's the the golden project is anytime a client reaches out to me and they say, hey, we want to do a custom bottle. I'm I'm on top of that because those are more rare projects Mm. to get because they're more time consuming and they're they're more expensive and costly, obviously, because, uh, you know, to develop a bottle takes an extra, you know, four or five months. And then you have to factor in the time they the glass manufacturer, you know, for technical prints or for technical bottle drawings, get those approved physical sample approval process. Uh, it's a whole thing, but in the end, it's mm-hmm. a beautiful iconic bottle that's custom and not stock on the shelf is that's really like, that's a big, that's a big, uh, kind of jumping off point. So that totally Being is like the new, holy yeah. grail of like liquor packaging projects. Yeah, it certainly is. Sweet. <laughs> yeah. Um, Chad, what do you think makes print so special to designers? What do you think they like most about print? Uh, I mean, I think it's seeing and feeling your work printed in person. It's taking 
uh, all those hours and all that blood and sweat that you put into that package design and seeing it come to life in like, a, you know, uh, a, just a little beautiful form, whatever it may be. It's like a for me, it's like a little trophy. So it's an award in itself just to see everything come together and to hold it in your hands um, rather than just seeing something you've done float around like digitally, never taking actual physical form. Um, yeah, it's it, that's it actually gives me the fuel to keep going every time I get something in hand from a previous project it ignites like a fire in me to do the next one so so and another great way that you know I've heard of interact you have this digital design and mm -hmm. say for example it's for a label putting that onto a physical substrate and creating something physical out of it you just sort of emphasize and elevate the design because it's now got a tangible aspect to it that it didn't have before yeah absolutely and it, it print gives you the opportunity to further the look and feel like with embellishments and paper stock selection and you know how you're treating certain things like it just adds a whole nother level to the design mm -hmm. that you're not able to get when it's digital, you know? Um, so if you're, if you have a label that's highly illustrative, maybe you're selecting certain parts of that illustration to emboss and to bring forward, or maybe you're selecting certain parts that, um, are foiled. Like maybe it's an illustration of a woman. She has a sword and you, you know, drop a nice gold foil on that sword, man, that's, it's just those little tiny details that really make a big difference. Mm -hmm. So a little bit off the, um, off the document, the, <clears throat> pardon me, a little off the script here. What is the most elaborate label file you've ever created? Like, give me the details. How many layers are we talking? Like, what's the details on this? Well, I mean, I think the most elaborate label file. Now, are we only talking paper stock? Or are we talking like, um, like just what was the most ridiculous hmm. over the top kind of bottle that was produced here? Give me, give me, let's, let's just keep it with label for now. Let's keep it with paper. Okay. Um, you know, I think that there is, there are so, cause I, I pride myself on the ridiculous, like the, the <laughs> just, let me see if I can say this properly. Ridiculousness yes. of yeah. how much I put into a label. So, you know, like let's, let's drop in two or three foils and embossing and like maybe it's a sculpted emboss and, uh, you know, maybe there's varnishing on certain areas and I don't know. So I, I always try to, I push it to the limit with that, but you can only push it so far because clients only have so much money. <laughs> so you can't, <laughs> that's, that's the limit. can't make each label cost $5. So you, there's a, you got to keep budget in mind. Um, but the high wild one I was mentioning earlier was is something that it's because I actually brought it and I set it in front of me for this talk that we're having, mm -hmm. uh, because there's a, a two foil process on it. There's a, a purple foil, which I'd never used before until this product. There's a gold foil. Uh, there's varnishing on some of the type treatments. There's embossing on the brand name. Uh, there's a tonal prints on the next strip. So that one got as far as like pre-production, um, trying to nail that stuff down. That one was pretty, uh, intricate. Sounds pretty intense. Cause for each one of those sort of spot colors and processes you have involved, you've got a separate layer in the file. Yeah. Well for this one, this was printed digitally because there's okay. so much imagery on it and so much color. I can't do a PMS call up for every, it wasn't printed offset or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so that's, when it comes to digital print, that is, it's come a long way. Digital print and offset print 
are virtually like to me they're hard to tell the difference they're really close yeah, you can get some really nice digital yeah. equipment out there yeah absolutely so with this one it was more of like I, we sent the file as far as the illustration goes and they sent back drawdowns of like uh, the illustration in different tonalities, whether it be lighter or darker, and then we selected one. Oh, cool. So it, it, there still was some back and forth and different samples and things. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah, that's the that kind of ties into this was also one of the projects that was the most difficult as far as uh, probably since the studio has been opened, it was the one of the largest mistakes that we've encountered on a on a label run. Okay, um, I'm so okay. I'm gonna pause there because I'm really excited to get into that. Before okay. I get to that, though, I want to just ask about the very. I want to get a little bit nostalgic. We'll say, yeah. I want to yeah. hear about the first print project you were ever a part of, the first one that you ever produced. So um, I think I was in an internship when I was in uh, in college, mm -hmm. and there had been a lot of projects. And so I worked at an internship here in Dallas first before moving to New York and working at a variety of agencies there. Mm -hmm. Uh, but the, so the one in Dallas, I had per, like done a lot of print projects, but I was only part of like a portion of those. Okay. So like I would do a certain section of something and then it was more of an amalgamation of many designers working on one project. But the one that comes to mind is the first one I had done by myself. Uh, and so that was done at an agency in New York and it was a set of three different wines and I got, I had the opportunity, it was my first big project, like solo project uh, at this agency. And uh, it was my first opportunity working with uh, selecting different stocks for each of the three wines and calling out different embellishments. And uh, I think in the end, we enclosed the three wines in like a custom wood crate box, which was then burned and engraved on the outside. <laughs> so... Yeah, it, it was only sold in France. I think it's still sold in France, uh, but they're like, I think the whole case itself, it comes in a three pack. So each wine is different. Um, three different tiers all come in one wood box. I think it was like five or $600 for the whole thing. Um, so it was a very high end item. So that's, that's, that's the first one. That, yeah, it was a quality. I still have two. I have two of them here in the studio. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was the one that kind of stands out as like the first and foremost full on all encompassing, you know, something I could look at and be like, Hey, I did that. So definitely. Okay. Now I want to get into this label that was not only the most ambitious, but also you had mentioned it was a, there was big, there was mistakes made. Yeah. So okay, with certain, yeah, let's get into yeah. this one. Tell me about this yeah. project. Um, yeah. Let's kind of start from the beginning though. How did this project come to be? Like, how did you reach out to the customer? How did you decide on budget and materials and all that kind of stuff? Oh, we're starting from the very beginning. Oh, yeah. Let's crank oh. it back. Okay. Okay. Uh, so going back to the very beginning, this client was actually already a client of the studio awesome. and is still a client of the studio. They're called uh, – they're, they're a distiller in Quebec, uh, Canada. Their name's Artists in Residence. I've created, uh, I think now, four brands for them, all separate brands, all named – you know, here in the studio, all brand stories developed here. Um, this is one of the, like the golden clients that I think all designers kind of seek uh, or kind of look for. And it's that design, it's that client that comes to you and says, Hey, we love what you're doing. Just go for it. Just, just do it. And it's very rare that I'll even get kickback from them. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So it, it's, they're, they're quite, uh, they're my, they're my golden goose when it comes to creative freedom. 
That's awesome. So, uh, yeah, they're they're an incredible client. Um, and uh, this would be, I think this was the third project, the third uh, brand I had created for them. Okay. And it was called, it's called High Wild. It's that surreal brand that's super ridiculous and over the top with the imagery uh, because it's a coffee liqueur. And it's, the whole backstory behind it is um, it's a coffee liqueur, you know, it keeps you up, it keeps you energized, it keeps you awake and, you know, it kind of puts you in party mode a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so High Wild, that's the name is an amalgamation of, you know, high meaning up and, you know, uh and wild meaning, of course, wild, wild crazy. Wild the party time. Yeah, exactly. So I, with a lot of my brand naming, I uh, it's a, actually a creation of two or maybe three words. Um, because nowadays, if you just pick a word that's already a word in the dictionary, uh, it's most likely taken somewhere, some form. You know, someone's Instagram account already has it. So, sure. But if you make up your own word that relates to your, your brand story and your backstory and it's it hits all the notes in terms of being memorable and iconic. Yeah. Um, plus made up words have cheaper URLs. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So everything across the board, when it comes to high wild, like if you hashtag just high wild, that's all you get. So that's kind of like what I look for when it comes to brand naming. Awesome. Um, but, uh, where am I going with this? Oh so, yeah. So they came to you with a project with a product and said, give yep. us a name for this product, develop the brand for this product. Go. Exactly. Um, so I had done that and that was the initial one. And they came out with a second edition called an amaretto. So the first one was a coffee. The second was an amaretto, uh, amaretto is a typically a darker, sweeter liqueur. So it, the imagery on the illustration is darker and more kind of wicked and intense, mm-hmm. uh, a bit sinister in certain aspects. But the, that was the one that had dealt with the purple foil against black. And that's yes. kind of where when you're when when you're dealing with print there's just different types of pre-production samples there's a limit like um you can't really see everything you can't see all your foils and uh, you know all your label as it is as it would be printed on the bottle prior to actually running it does that totally. make sense no it makes absolute sense and that's an important thing to stop at for a sec because there's a lot of times where newer designers to print will say, well, can you just give me a print sample on the right paper with the actual foil? I just want to see what it's going to look like when it's done. Right. You can't, you can't do that. Yeah, you, can you can't do really that do to that. to some extent for some yes. things. You can't, yeah. you can't go the full deal. But that's why they have press checks and foil checks and all those kind of things. Exactly. But I don't have the luxury to fly to Canada every time they're printing labels or wherever the client may be. So yeah. um, sometimes we're stuck with, uh, you know, just little drawdowns or little chips of like, hey, this is the foil. This is, you know, the PMS color of the black background that the foil will go against, et cetera. Does it all look good? And in independent elements, like on a table, sometimes like most often they're like, oh, everything looks good. But then they print it. And this is one of the few times this has happened. They print it and then you get it back and you're like, wow, this doesn't look like I thought it was going to look. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason being is because the purple foil was just a shade or two too dark. And so when you put it against the black background, it was not legible on a shelf, uh, which is like yeah. big no-no. So uh, you can't can't have difficulty reading a label in a store. It has to be legible from a couple feet back. Um, that's just like a rule. Um, and... So that was just, we ended up having to correct the file, order a new plate, 
um, to knock some of the type out from the purple foil and make it a lighter color mm -hmm. instead of a foil. And so it was, yeah, uh, it was just kind of, um, it's one of those things where we had to eat a little bit of it, but we handled it in a way where, uh, the client was very happy about, awesome. you know, we did print like 10,000 labels that were not usable, <laughs> but, <laughs> but like you can't really, you know, it is what it is, but we, we've kind of worked out this deal where, and as you were saying, like sometimes it's possible where we will do, even though it is a little more expensive uh, there, they will do a full print with all the embellishments so we can see exactly what we're getting. It's just more time consuming and more expensive that most clients don't want to pay for. Definitely. Um, but when it comes to certain things like that, like when you're going to print 10 to 20,000 labels and it, it, you know, it's got a nice price point and they're making a nice return on, you know, their bottle as a whole, they're going to shell out for it to make sure there's no errors. Perfect. Yeah, absolutely. And that makes total yeah. sense. But like you said, there's not often that extra, extra dough to throw at it for testing. hundred percent. Yeah. So we're then were paper choices, color choices, um, you know, pricing, like, was that all left with you quantity determination? Like how did that process yeah. go? So not quantity determination. That's always, so I think across the board, the amount of labels that are printed are always up to the client. Yeah, uh, it, unless, unless there's a significant price break between five and 10, but there's usually not. It's like, there's only price breaks that are worth it. If you go from like 5,000 labels to like 50,000 labels. Um, and a lot of the clients I work with are like, most of them are startups because, uh, I, I love working with startups for a variety of reasons. Um, but, uh, yeah, I lost my train of thought a little bit, uh, but they don't have the, the budget to print 50. They're always like five to 10,000 typically. Totally. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. They're just getting, getting going basically. Yeah. Just getting going. Yeah. Perfect. And are you able to share any sort of dollars on what the cost of these labels were or anything like that? Yeah, I can think I can do that. Uh, I think for f it will, you know, cost the cost that I'll say it, every printer is different. I work with a variety of printers and mm -hmm. I'll, I'll have this, the same job prepared and, and quoted by one printer. And it'll be, you know, $7,500 for, you know, 5,000 labels. And now I can get it quoted by another printer who is equally as reputable, I think. Uh, and it'll be like maybe circulating around $5,300, which is kind of where this, this, this ran. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's a little, as far as price per label, it's a little more costly than what people are normal kind of used to. Uh, but it's because the label is so ridiculous looking and has so many <laughs> embellishments. So yeah, exactly. And that's sort of the point that I want to get across um, to people is because when you tell somebody that, you know, that liquor label is $2, that yeah. is like, it's unfathomable to some people, like $2 yeah. for a sticker for a label. Yeah. But there's a no, lot you're... that goes into it. Yeah, you're quite right. I mean, it's all determined by the value of the product. It's determined by, you know, if they were running 50,000 labels, it'd be a lot less than $2 a label, but it's just because they're these, some clients run really low quantities. Mm -hmm. So you have to just pay more per unit. Um, just a kind of a catch 22, I guess. I mean, you want the cheaper per price labels, but you don't also don't want, you know, 40,000 extra labels that it's going <laughs> to take you 10, 10 years to burn through. Yeah. You don't want to buy 10 years of inventory right up front. All it takes is one regulation change. And all of a sudden you got to throw away 40,000 labels. You're a hundred percent right about that. <laughs> right. And that's yeah. the danger of ordering too much and getting, you know, over committing a bit. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta be careful. Perfect. Okay. So then 
quantity is decided. You send the files to the printer. Proofing, mm-hmm. was that hard copy? Was it soft copy? How did the proofing process go for these ones? Yeah, so uh, always start with the digital proof. So they'll always send over a digital proof that outlines, um, you know, the embellishments and the stock used and any uh, specific color targets. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then if that all looks good, we sign off. And then that's when we always start the physical process. And uh, that's when they had sent over the the foil samples and, you know, just just the label, just the printed aspects of the label with no embellishments whatsoever. So much of the label was blank. So a lot of it's left to the imagination. <laughs> yes. You know? Yeah, which is um, such a challenge too, right? Because you are dealing with this little, you know, one inch by one inch piece of foil. Yeah. Like here's your foil and, chip. Yeah, and that's something that like we all deal with. Like I, I've been doing this for a long time and I still like, I, you know, I'll spec PMS colors on a project and I'll be like, yeah, these are the PMS targets, but I still like, I'm not 100% sure how all these little tiny swatches are going to look together, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I try to do as much proofing as humanly possible um, to, you know, as much as I can before, you know, giving the go ahead to say, okay, we're a proof for production. So. Mm-hmm. so the actual artwork time on this project, how long did that take? Um, I mean, the, with including the back and forth, I say the, the actual, I can artwork a file in two hours, like, uh, but um, the back and forth with the whole the production and making tweaks to the proof and the fact that there was an error on it. I think it was like a month. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And yes. from your first draft to the client to your finished copy, like ready to go to the printer, what was that timing like? Yeah. So typically the, so for this, this was an extension. The one I'm referring to was an extension of an existing brand that I'd mm-hmm. already created. Mm-hmm. So I was only changing out illustration and foils and just some type, you know, to reflect the actual product inside. Uh, so that was uh, only maybe like maybe it was a week and a half, something like that. Yeah, that's not too bad. But when no. when it's a you know when it's a first product for a new brand, all of that's definitely a longer process. I'm going to assume. So I so I put out labels. Uh, I finished full design concepts in like a week, and I felt really good about it. And I'm like, this is going to make ripples in the spirit community. I think this is gonna this is gonna turn some heads because I'm always trying to produce work that doesn't look like anything else that's out there, which is challenging, you know, totally. um, to, to constantly evolve something to the point of like, you're like, okay, this doesn't bear any resemblance to anything else out there. This, this brand is going to stand and be its own person. Uh, but then at the same time, I've worked on brands that just couldn't quite, I feel like the design couldn't quite get there for, uh, maybe a, a straight month, mm-hmm. which is a long time. A lot for me, it's a, that's a long time to finick with something. Um, so it really just depends. I mean, Sometimes if I'm like super on, I can, uh, I'll work for a whole day. My brain won't be quite working. And then maybe I'll have 20 minutes of like just pure bliss. And I'm just like, <laughs> I, I, straight you know, zone like, time. Yeah. Straight zone. And then that 20 minutes makes up for that whole time. I've messed around and didn't get anything done for the whole day. Awesome. So, yeah, man, that's a great project to, to highlight with the complexities and all of the different elements and bits and pieces and process for that. So thank you for sharing that one. That was awesome. Yeah, you're quite welcome. Yeah. You can check it out on the website. It's under the, uh, the high wild, uh, thumbnail. So awesome. Do you know if that product is sold in Canada? Well, it must it be is. a Canadian distillery. I wonder if they're out West here. Yeah. It's sold in all Saks stores. Saks is like a major liquor, uh, retailer up there. Awesome. Okay. I'll look for it. Yep. Yeah. That'd be cool to see in person. 
Um, so when you're doing these custom illustrations, do you have a, a Wacom tablet that you're working with? Like, how do you put those together? What's your process for those? Yeah. So every project is super different. I kind of pride myself on, or trying to, even though people say my work has a certain look and like they can look at a project and be like, Oh, Chad, Michael did that. <laughs> That's what I've heard. But I, I like to think that all my work is pretty diverse from the one project to the next, but I know there's some crossover and it's all coming from the same hands. Uh, it depends. The high wild thing was a collage. So that was me scavenging the internet and putting together a collage of different photos and illustrations and then dropping it in Photoshop and making it look like they were all one scene. So, mm -hmm. you know, adjusting colors and tones and putting drop shadows and gradients to make it feel like it was part of one scene. Um, so, uh, and I'm altering all the images enough to where no one will know where any of the images came from. Um, so for example, on the high wild, uh, there's a figure of a woman. And so like I, it was a figure of a woman and then I dropped blue glitter all over and then I pull her eyes out of her head and give her a feather hat. <laughs> you have no idea where that woman came from, you know? Yeah. Um, but when it comes to vector illustrations or simple logo marks, I'm hundred percent hands-on in the computer. Uh, a lot of it starts with a simple form. Sometimes it's a sketch that I scan in and work based on that. And then it's just an evolution of making that copy and pasting and making that vector better and better and better. Mm -hmm. um, and then other times I work with where there's like maybe a really intricate woodcut style illustration. And I don't do woodcut style illustrations. That style takes many, many years, if not uh, decades, to learn how to do properly. Mm -hmm. And there, in my opinion, there's only like a handful of people who do old school, like 1800 engraving style uh, illustrations really successfully. And so I'll do a mock-up image of what the concept is to the best it, to the best it can possibly be um, seen by the client and approved, and they understand it. Uh, and, uh, then I'll pass that, uh, mock illustration off to an illustrator who that's all they do is the woodcut and then they will redraw it. Wow. So that's like a, like from 1800s engraving, that is, sounds like a very niche style. Yes. It's hard to find illustrators that do that style successfully because the, the, the best version are the people who still do it by hand. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's, it's a rarity to find, but I have a select confidential team that I refer <laughs> to. You got a guy. I got a guy. I know a guy. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so Chad, what advice would you give a designer who is new to print or wanting to really get started in this world? Uh, let's see. I would say that um, you should go to your local paper shop. I'd say go to your local paper shop um, usually there's some paper company in, you know, whatever city you're in mm -hmm. that will maybe uh, kind of introduce you to uh, different paper stocks. You might be able to take some home. For example, there is a place here in Dallas called Clampet Paper. They make paper. They source paper they, for other companies. And so you can go in there and you can pick up samples. You can feel the textures and really discover the difference between weights, the difference between, uh, you know, custom textures and what, what duplex means and uh, all the different terminology. And mm -hmm. then take home books take home paper books with you. Um, oh yeah. So get swatch booked up. Yeah, man. My, my, uh, studio office, the closet in there is just stacked full of paper sample books, full of print embellishing books and just samples that, uh, from other print companies that have sent to me and like, Hey, this is how we handled this. Here are the specs and they write them on the back. And so I have that as a reference, you know? 
Yeah, that's awesome. And that is something that I always tell people as well. One of the most important things is get familiar with the papers, with the substrates that you are going to be able to work with, because that can help shape your design. You can use that as just a surface where you print your design, you know, a gloss paper or something that doesn't have much to it. Or Mm -hmm. you can really add elements of that paper into your design so that the artwork really interacts with that paper texture and things like that. Yeah, it's just another level of how we were saying earlier. It's another level of like adding to that brand story. So, you know, uh, paper texture can really drive like whatever the shape is. It has to be a reflection of some way the brand that you've created, the design and the story that you've created. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there should, I mean, no one's just I mean, you shouldn't just be randomly picking textures because they look cool, but you should be picking textures that will better reinforce the look and feel of your design. Definitely. Um, yeah, so like I, we printed some business cards, and when I say we, I don't know why I say we, but it's just me. <laughs> <laughs> the studio. But, uh, yeah, it makes me sound bigger than I am, I guess. Um, like a like a real studio. Uh, but uh, we printed some uh, business cards for a distillery, maybe I don't know, like four or five months ago, and uh, the paper texture we blind embossed a chicken pattern, chicken wire pattern over the business cards because the distillery logo is that of a chicken. So it just gives you another level of, you know, detail and thought. So that's awesome. Can I see that business card on your website as well? Uh, you know, I don't think, I know they're on the Instagram. I don't think they're on the website right now. Okay. Actually. Yeah. They're not on the website right now. We're actually, you know what? I was wrong. If you go to uh, Warbringer thumbnail, in Chad Michael Studio and the website, you can scroll down. You can see the business cards, large and in charge at the base. Awesome. Perfect. Yeah, we definitely want to have a look at those. I love a good blind emboss. Yeah, man. I mean, it's I often do a little like even though it's not considered blind technically, I often do like a very faint uh, print with the blind emboss to help reinforce the look of that. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or like uh, I'm printing a label right now for a new gin company out in California and there's a lot of blind embossing on there. So I, uh, we, I'm going to print like a subtle uh, outer glow, very subtle, very faint around this blind embossed. So it really is noticeable. It's really recognizable mm-hmm. from That's afar. That's cool because it kind of gives it that um, with that shadow effect on it. It just emphasizes yeah. what's there. Yeah, because it's that's so true. Because it's also like depends on the printer. Sometimes I've gotten some blind embossing back, and it's not even visible. So um, it kind of depends on the stock, and depends on who's what kind of machine they're printing it on, how hard they're hitting it. You know, definitely hit it hard. Yeah, you got to hit it as hard as you can until it almost breaks that paper. <laughs> yeah, you basically want to break the paper and then back off as little as possible. Yeah, reverse engineer it. Yeah, definitely. So Chad, you got the last question here and I typically do what I call an ask it forward question so that you get to ask the guests something. But with this print design podcast, I'm switching it up a bit and you get an ask the audience question. So basically mm. you are going to be asking the audience this question and on the old Instagram is where the conversation will happen. People will be answering this question. What do you got? I love the talk we had about the the mistake in print. The, mm-hmm. the biggest failure that you've had so that's my question is what is the biggest mistake you've made with a print project and how'd you handle it so because those situations they have a big impact on like 
you your the studio's reputation like a certain studio's reputation it can uh and so uh, i love hearing stories of the the failure and how people uh, dealt with those failures and kind of how they made them better designers or uh better leaders of agencies or studios or whatever they're doing so. totally and what i love about this is it's usually a big print mistake that can sit with people for like a decade Oh yeah, <laughs> with them. and they not notice? Is that what you mean? No, no, no. That they notice and they remember. They remember it forever. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember most of my mistakes. No, no matter how small, it does. It does sit with you. It's there. It's a special spot in your brain where that stuff's held. Yeah, it's just a lesson. That's all it is. Everybody gets yeah. them. Yeah, I've also had a lot of grammar mistakes, but that's like a little tiny different thing. But I've had uh, labels uh, be approved by the client. Uh, pre-press team uh, in here and then it still be printed and there still be a spelling mistake and people point it out and like, Oh God. Oh man. Totally. Yeah. I know what you're saying because I was the, I was the editor for a pet magazine um, that I started and first issue designed it on screen, proofed it through like five different people, proofed it through hard copies through those same five people looking through it all. And um, I go to do the press check and right there on the inside cover, big fat typo right there. I'm like, how did I in like probably like 500 point font? Like it was massive. How was that missed? Yeah. But yeah, Yeah. not until you see it in print. I know it's weird. People just kind of glaze over it and just are looking at the design as a whole. Um, But I I make a point now to like, I really like, Hey, uh, here's the proofs client. Make sure to proofread all of this five times and double check that barcode on the back. Cause I don't know how many jobs I've printed. And they're like, barcode's not right. I was like, that's not on me. <laughs> you know, like, so, I don't know. It, things happen, but you, lessons lived, lessons learned. So definitely Chad, this has been amazing. And thank you so much for hopping on here and sharing these stories with us today. Oh, you're very welcome. I appreciate you having me. All right. That is the end of today's episode. Thank you so much for being here and listening to this. If you want to see some of Chad's work, head to his Instagram at Chad Michael Studio. Right there, you'll find a link to his website, which shows you even more of his incredible work. And if you want to learn more about print design, head over to printdesignacademy.com and check what we got cooking there.